Hello, you're listening to On Israeli Nile Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspid from Tel Aviv. We are recording this podcast on Monday. This is a historic day in Israel. Uh, 30 minutes ago, Naftali Bennett was sworn in as Israel's 13th Prime Minister. After 12 consecutive years of Benjamin Netanyahu rule, it is over. Bennett is only 49 years old. Two years older than Netanyahu when he came first to the Prime Minister's office in 19, back in 1996. Bennett uh, is a son of two American-born uh, uh, parents that uh, made an aliyah to Israel from San Francisco in 1967. He was an elite uh, fighter soldier uh, in the unit that produced already two Prime Ministers in Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu and Ehud Barak. He is a high-tech millionaire after two exits in the high-tech industry. This is his third exit and the most impressive one because he came into the Knesset with only six mandates and he became the prime minister. After the, the short break we will take now, we'll have a, a very interesting talk with the previous prime minister, the guy that left office on uh, March 31st, 2009, uh, and uh, gave the, the, the will to Benjamin Netanyahu. Prime Minister Ehud Olmert will be here with us, talking about the transition period in Israel, the future of the Bennett-Lapid government, as I said, right after this short break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East, and if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at almonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon Almonitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our Almonitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, On Israel with Ben Caspit, and On the Middle East with me. Andrew Parasoliti. Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, thank you for joining us here in uh, On Israel. Shalom, Ehud Olmert. Good evening. We've just seen, and we are recording this conversation minutes after a, a historic moment uh, uh, when uh, Naftali Bennett was sworn in as Israel's 13th uh, Prime Minister. And I want to ask you, uh, to begin with, you left this post on uh, March 31st, 2009. And if I would yeah. have told you that day that it will take 12 years to replace Netanyahu, what would you tell me then? I guess that uh, it would have looked to me uh, uh, rather... Uh... Uh, exaggerated you know I, i i didn't expect him to serve uh 12 years and i also didn't expect him to cause so much damage to the state of israel for such a long time 
But so it did happen. Yes, it did. And we will talk about uh, his achievements or damage uh, uh, in, in a very detailed way. But first, you know, many analysts feared the, the capital scenario uh, that Netanyahu will try to do what uh, Donald Trump did uh, a few months ago uh, on, uh, on uh, January in Washington, and it did not happen. But what, ha what happened in, in the same vote or session of the Knesset was uh, maybe a mini capital scenario by the Likud and the Haredi uh, Knesset members with a lot of shouting and yelling, and they did not let uh, Naftali Bennett to complete a single sentence of his speech. How did you feel in this uh, occasion? Well, to be honest with you, I uh, anticipated it in advance because I knew that uh, Netanyahu doesn't have the power anymore to uh, pull into the uh, Knesset uh, compound uh, thousands of people. So what he did, he took his thugs uh, that are uh, sitting inside the chamber as members of parliament, as former ministers, as ministers, and uh, they did precisely what you described. They were yelling and shouting and disturbing and, and really behaving in such a shameful manner. I don't remember. I was uh, uh, nine uh, terms a member of parliament, perhaps more than anyone serving now in the Knesset, and amongst the longest serving members in the history of the Knesset, I don't remember such a behavior. And particularly at such a momentous event, uh, you may disagree with uh, this government, it's legitimate, you can criticize the government, it's legitimate, but to organize the members of parliament, not to allow the designated prime minister from uh, making a statement in an honorable and dignified manner is uh, really shameful. There's no other word, but it's typical of the, uh, the uh, way in which uh, Netanyahu and his friends conducted themselves throughout uh, the last few years. It's not surprising. Yeah. Um, as, as a veteran or maybe a mega politician in Israel, what do you think are the survival chances of this government, the coalition that uh, Yair Lapid formed for Naftali Bennett is going from the far left to the extreme right. And, and uh, this government, if I look at it from my side, they cannot go to war, they cannot make peace, they cannot uh, touch the, the status quo in, uh, in religion, in uh, many delicate uh, issues. Do you think uh, this government will survive? Uh, that's a, a very legitimate and a very timely question because on the day that they are sworn in and they are inaugurated, uh, obviously the differences uh, between the, amongst the different factions are uh, obvious and incredible. There, there are two, I'd say two, two options. One, to do what a true historic leadership would have done, which is to adjust themselves, not to what they've been saying for a long time, but to what they think is at this particular time, the right thing to do for the state of Israel and for the future of the state of Israel. And that may mean to change uh, and, and uh, to change their uh, commitments and their uh, attitudes and uh, move forward uh, into the future. And I'll give you, uh, there are many examples in Israel's history. Menachem Begin, 
the role model, if you want, for many of them, he did precisely this. I remember, I was a member of parliament. I was a member of parliament with Menachem Begin for two terms in which uh, he said, uh, you know, on the day or many and many years before, on the day that I will become prime minister, Judea and Samaria, he called the West Bank, yes, will be annexed and be part of the state of Israel. And, and uh, he said uh, that uh, all of Sinai will be part of the state of Israel. Needless to say, he pulled out from the entire Sinai and uh, he didn't annex the uh, West Bank on the contrary. He, he kept it open for further negotiations. So uh, this was not weakness. This was a show of strengths and leadership of the highest level. And that's why Menachem Begin won his place in history, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, is cherished by every Israeli today, uh, uh, those who supported him originally and those who opposed it. Now, therefore, you know, this is one option for Naftali Bennett, for Yair Lapid, for others, for Gidon Saar to say, let's make peace with the Palestinians, let's uh, pull out from the territories, uh, whatever. They will never do it. So the other option is uh, to, uh, to uh, go uh, forward on the uh, agenda, which is entirely acceptable to all of the different factions of, of the new cabinet. That is to focus on education, to focus on health, to focus on welfare, to focus on building infrastructure, which is uh, in, a, in a deep, serious uh, uh, status today in Israel. And there is a very, very wide basis for a, a effective and, and uh, determined uh, uh, action uh, by the government and to leave aside all the other issues uh, that they disagree with. Uh, will they be uh, mature enough and smart enough and, and uh, courageous enough uh, to accomplish this? Uh, time will tell. I don't know. There are many, many obstacles uh, facing this government. But there is one thing which gives me um, uh, at least a hint that, that maybe this government will prevail for a longer time than expected. And the fact is that presently their chances in uh, coming elections, if there would be a fifth round, will be very small. So the fear of uh, political liquidation uh, would force them to show the, the highest degree of flexibility in running the affairs of the government. And, and I think that there is a chance for it, first, because I think that Lapid, primarily Lapid, you have to say, uh, showed uh, uh, maturity and, and uh, leadership in the manner in which he has addressed himself to the, uh, to the uh, issues and, uh, and that uh, he gave up uh, his natural uh, desire and also his uh, privilege to be the first prime minister in this coalition, considering the difference in terms of numbers that he has uh, in comparison to uh, uh, Bennett. But he knew that Bennett will never have uh, his party coming with him unless he can tell them, listen, 
with six members, we have the prime minister's position. Yeah. We have uh, important other uh, position in the cabinet. So it's worthwhile uh, to do it. And uh, it required a lot of, uh, a lot of courage and, and uh, leadership, honesty and leadership and also honesty uh, from uh, Lapid to acquiesce with it and to uh, give up. Uh, so uh, I think that this will guide them. Uh, there is now a trust between the two of them. Must be a trust. How can you explain me, Ehud Olmer, that uh, Tel Aviv right now is celebrating, you know, Tel Aviv, the secular, international, uh, lefty Tel Aviv is celebrating. Thousands are dancing in Rabin Square. The, the crowning of Naftali Bennett, that used to be the CEO of the, of the settlers movement with, with the Yarmulke on his head, and Jerusalem is mourning. Something that there is an Israeli unprecedented paradox in this story. Yes, and not. Uh, you know, when you look at it, really, I mean, the celebration is not so much for Bennett as prime minister, is uh, as it is for the uh, departure of Netanyahu. The uh, Netanyahu's, the Netanyahu's, uh, <laughs> created so much disgust and distrust amongst a, um, a large portion of the Israeli population, I, I don't say everyone, uh, but a large portion of the Israeli population to the degree, and, and what happened in the last couple of years, the fact that we were through four election uh, rounds in less than two years. I mean, for a country which is known for its stable political system, as, as we have entertained for such a long time, that, you know, it really, and all these uh, within the, uh, this painful and demanding process of uh, COVID-19 and, and the prices that people paid for, for prevailing within these all uh, difficulties, that uh, people feel relief. I, I felt it, you know, when I, I was jogging this morning in the, uh, uh, in Tel Aviv, along the, uh, the, uh, the beach of Tel Aviv. It's 10 morning. kilometers a morning, if, uh, I'm, uh, if I remember. Uh, it was uh, 13 today. Oh. I, I ran additional three just, just for the fun. For the and, celebration. And people, uh, and people, you know, they, people identify me in, in uh, lots of cases. So they were shouting towards me. Chag Sameach, happy holiday, happy holiday, happy holiday, Lechaim, you know, cheers, cheers. <laughs> and people were, and my, by the way, I could identify that some of those who were shouting towards me were not the typical uh, supporters of uh, Lapid or, uh, or the left. They appeared to me at least to be more representatives of the Likud typical voters. Let's let's so, talk a little bit about Netanyahu. You know the guy uh, many many years. You escorted him. You 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 were the mayor of Jerusalem when he when he appeared, and became prime minister first time in the 90s. He said today in a very long speech that he will be back uh, sooner than uh, many people uh, uh, predicted. And, uh, and uh, do you think he's going to stay, he's going to stick to the title head of opposition, or maybe he will try to, uh, to have a fast uh, plea bargain in his trial and, and leave the political scene in Israel for good? I, I, I don't, 
you know, it's hard to say to start with. You know, it's uh, one of those things that you really uh, are not able uh, to make an accurate uh, forecast as to how exactly. But based on my acquaintance with his behavior, uh, I think that uh, he will uh, try to do everything to stay in, not necessarily because it is um, probable that he will be able to return to the position of prime minister, but because in, in that position, he, he feels that he may be more uh, protected uh, within the context of his uh, legal issues than being entirely out of the political system. So I think that uh, there is a likelihood that he will try to stay in. The question is whether his uh, partners in the Likud uh, will uh, necessarily tolerate it. Will they not say, actually, we can break this government, we can change the makeup of this cabinet, we can join the coalition and return to our ministerial positions within days if we kick out Netanyahu, because I don't believe that Bennett, in spite of all of his commitments to Lapid, if Netanyahu will disappear and the Likud will be uh, led by someone else and, and the Likud will then want to join a coalition that uh, Bennett will be able to keep uh, his party with him uh, and with uh, the Arab uh, fundamentalist and Islamic uh, party and with the left wing of the Israeli politics when he has an opportunity to make a coalition uh, with uh, the right wing. So uh, I think that uh, uh, there can be a change, but uh, I don't think that Netanyahu ever thought about uh, what's good for the country or what's good for his party. He always thought what's good for himself. And I think that he thinks now that what is good for him is to remain as the head of the opposition. I wanted to ask you about his speech. He said there several things. Uh, uh, most uh, interesting or intriguing uh, from my point of view was uh, that, that he declared that uh, the Iranians are celebrating the, the nomination of Naftali Bennett as prime minister. He said that Bennett and Lapid will, will not have the guts or the courage to give the right orders to, to maintain the Israeli secret war uh, in Iran or against Iran. Uh, he said that Israel will be weaker, and uh, I don't think, I'm not sure that uh, he can say such things, because Iran is closer to a uh, to nuclear bomb right now a lot uh, uh, than it was when you left office. Well, when I left office, they were not near where they are now, but I can tell you this, and this is very important that what we discuss now will be broadcasted uh, across in, in other countries. As a former prime minister and as someone that was in, directly in charge of the, the, all the operations that we were involved in, which I will not outline to you in details anyway. And based on what I checked in the last few days with the top guys of our security system, I can tell you this, that in the eight years 
that uh, Obama was president of the United States, Iran didn't progress a millimeter in the nuclear program. When Donald Trump and Netanyahu cooperated and, and uh, America uh, pulled out from the agreement about the Iran nuclear uh, plan, Iran made a very uh, uh, substantial progress on this uh, nuclear program. So the opposite of what Netanyahu says is the truth. As long as he was uh, in the last four years, prime minister and Donald Trump was president of the United States, it all went on the wrong direction. I have uh, trust in President Biden and I don't think that uh, Bibi Netanyahu, you know, uh, I've been saying it so many times and, and you wrote it so many times. You know, he, it, his rhetoric is very impressive. His performance has been very non-impressive. The fact remains that there were two prime ministers in Israel that destroyed, uh, destroyed atomic reactors that threat, potentially threatened the state of Israel. The first and the greatest was Menachem Begin in 1981, June of 1981, exactly 40 years ago. He decided to destroy the atomic reactor in Iraq, or Iraq, and he did it. And in 2007, the government that I was uh, the uh, prime minister of uh, decided to destroy the atomic reactor in Syria and did it. I don't know that Netanyahu destroyed any nuclear plane. We made many things in the past, at my time, at his time, which were very impressive, which I'm not sure that we can discuss openly, but which haven't really changed the options that the Iranian have, if it will not be for the United States of America and for the superpowers to take the necessary measures. And I trust President Biden that he will do it. Talking about President Biden exactly, uh, Netanyahu spoke also about the, uh, the Biden administration and said, I think, a few very dangerous things. He said that there are a lot of uh, differences right now between the, the administration in Israel, and he promised President Biden not to talk or to speak openly about it. And then he just spoke about it, and actually he was trying to I don't know why, maybe it set some fire between a future Prime Minister Bennett and the American administration instead of, you know, a praying to, the, to Bennett's success to, to heal the wound that, uh, that Netanyahu himself caused in the relationship of Israel and the Democratic Party, for example. Man, <laughs> this is vintage Bibi. Maybe did precisely what he's been doing all the time. Uh, he, he, do you think that to uh, uh, make that provocation against President Obama and to threaten the entire world that he's going to attack Tehran and, and, and Qum and, and the other uh, centers where allegedly the Iranians are uh, doing, uh, preparing their nuclear plan? Was it smart? Was it smart to force himself to the United States Congress a uh, short while before the elections in America, short while before the elections in Israel? 
Was it in the best interest of the state of Israel? No. So uh, he doesn't think about the uh, best interest of the state of Israel. He thought about himself. And the reason that he made this provocation today is so that he will be able to say in two or three weeks time uh, uh, that uh, Bennett and Lapid either surrenders, uh, surrender to, to the American position, which is one option, or to blame them for having a, a confrontation with the American government that is the best friend of the state of Israel. So this is a, a typical provocative uh, rhetoric that characterizes the Netanyahu uh, administration all along. It's not surprising. And I think that the last ones who are uh, surprised uh, by it uh, are the leaders of the United States. And I think that also Bennett and uh, Lapid and Gantz and the others uh, expected uh, some kind of uh, provocations. They were not surprised either. What's your best advice to Naftali Bennett? I guess he'll be invited to Washington and get what the Americans call the full treatment in the White House. But still, let's not forget, he's a, a, a right-wing ideologist. And uh, what, what should he do in order you know, to melt the ice between him and, and the president? Let me put it this way. I don't want to become uh, uh, an advisor to Bennett or a commentator, uh, a political commentator. I'm not there. You know, I'm a former prime minister. When I need uh, or when I think it's important, I, I just express my opinion. So my opinion is this. I think there will be a mistake to try and step into the shoes of Netanyahu on the political issues, namely to, uh, to uh, for instance, to um, try and... Uh, raise the volume of the Iranian issue now uh, in opposition to the American government position is a mistake. We all know, uh, they know what the Israeli position is. They know what, what uh, uh, we have been saying. Uh, they then don't need to uh, get a reminder every day publicly uh, in a provocative manner because uh, that will create unnecessary uh, you know, distrust between the new government and, uh, uh, and uh, President Biden. President Biden will make an agreement with uh, Iran. Uh, I think that the best that we can do and should do is to try and create uh, trust and rapport between the prime minister and the president so that we will be able to advise, we will be briefed about the different issues on the agenda of these negotiations with Iran, and we'll be able to, to advise the uh, American uh, government on what we think is important to emphasize in the context of this proposed agreement so that the interests of Israel will be best secured in this context. I want to ask you finally, I think we are uh, just out of time, but I cannot uh, leave you without asking you about the, the historic, uh, I think, I don't know how to call it, uh, event that uh, we're not talking about uh, enough of a first time an Arab party, not just an Arab party, the, the Muslim movement is inside 
an Israeli political coalition. Naftali Bennett, in his speech today in the Knesset, he, uh, he hinted that it could not happen without Netanyahu because uh, Netanyahu was the, the, the guy that uh, actually confirmed this possibility. He was uh, trying himself to form a government with Mansour Abbas. Uh, are you as excited as I am? I'm very excited. I can tell you that I think that this is a potential turning point in the history of the state of Israel. Uh, this is not the first time that uh, a, a Muslim Arab is a member of the cabinet. The first time it was in my cabinet in 2007 when uh, Raleb Majadla became the minister of sport and uh, culture in the cabinet. But this is the first time that an Arab party joins the cabinet. And this is very significant uh, uh, moment. Now it depends on the government, on the leadership of this government, on the uh, Bennett and Lapid and Gans and Gidon Saar and all the others, whether they will understand that the time has come to uh, provide uh, the Arab population in Israel with complete equal rights in reality, not just in, in uh, theory, uh, that they deserve as Israeli citizens. If we will do it, it can change many things. It is not, of course, uh, um, uh, instead of uh, uh, the need to uh, get back to the table of negotiations with the, uh, uh, with the, um, the Palestinians that we have to do, and I'm, I'm not certain that the makeup of this cabinet will allow it, but if we will start this process with the Arabs in Israel, as we started today, if we will continue with care, with sensitivity, with respect, with dignity, and with firmness, I think that it may turn out to be the most significant change that this government will bring to our lives. And another final question, uh, do you think that the rotation, the replacement between Netanyahu, and, and I'm sorry, Liz, I'm so used to saying Netanyahu, Bennett and Lapid on August 2023 will actually happen? And if so, you know Yair Lapid very well. You've been almost his uncle, his late father's best friend. Do you think he is ready? Look, you know, you never know if someone is ready until he's there and he actually performs and he holds the responsibility. But I can say that he can uh, uh, take pride in the fact that uh, eight years ago, when he started his party, no one gave him the slightest change, a chance. And everyone was uh, ridiculing him and said, uh, what can an anchorman from television uh, know about politics and uh, how he would prevail? So number one, his party is for the second time, the uh, largest, uh, the second largest party in Israel. Uh, the this party itself is very stable and very strong and very, uh, and very uh, you know, united uh, with all its members. Uh, Yair Lapid actually the one that formed this coalition uh, against all odds and against all the predictions by all, almost everyone. And he has gone a long way since the beginning. 
So I think that uh, another two years as an alternate prime minister can definitely help him get ready for the job. And I certainly wish him uh, to make uh, the best possible use of this time in order to prepare himself uh, for uh, this position as prime minister. I just hope that in the meantime, there will not be uh, differences and difficulties that will break the uh, partnership between him and Bennett. Uh, and uh, that remains to be tested and seen. Prime Minister Olmert, I thank you very much for this exciting and interesting conversation. Thank you and shalom. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much. We'll take now a very short break and come back with some final thoughts. Stay with us. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. for staying with us. Uh, we just had a very interesting uh, conversation with uh, Prime Minister Ehud Olmert. He, he has been there and he's done that and he gave us a lot of uh, inside information and predictions about whatever is going on in Israel and what will happen in the future. I asked him first about uh, the shameful uh, uh, sights and sounds from the Knesset uh, when uh, most of the Likud members and also the Haredi Knesset members didn't let Naftali Bennett, the next prime minister, uh, to complete a single sentence, uh, yelling, hacking, and shouting. And uh, Prime Minister Olmert uh, said it is a shameful uh, act. He did not remember anything like it in history. Then I asked him, what is such a complicated coalition that, that, that goes from the far left to the extreme right uh, is capable of doing? And he, he said that he hopes they will uh, be courageous enough and, uh, and uh, maybe they will find some way to make history like uh, Prime Minister Begin or Sharon did making peace with Egypt and uh, trying to make peace with the Palestinians. But Prime Minister Olmert knows there, is no, there, there are no many chances uh, for this to happen. And, and he said that they will have to stick with, with the agenda that unites them all, mainly uh, internal agenda to try and heal the wound that uh, Netanyahu is uh, leaving behind him. I asked, asked him, uh, how come in Tel Aviv, the secular international liberal 
city, they are, they are uh, dancing all night, thousands of people in the Rabin Square, when Naftali Bennett uh, is nominated to be prime minister, a, a right-wing ideologist with the Yarmulka on his head, is uh, he once was the CEO of the Settlers Movement, and Olmert said that uh, the celebration is not a right or, or left celebration, but just celebrating the departure of uh, what he said of the Netanyahu's, not Benjamin, but also I think he meant uh, Mrs. Netanyahu and the, the elder son. I asked the Prime Minister Olmert if he thinks that Netanyahu is here to stay. Uh, will he stick in the post of uh, the, the opposition leader? And uh, Olmert uh, said that he will try to do everything in order to, uh, to be more protected in his uh, trial in the criminal uh, process. And when he is the leader of the opposition, it is a lot more easier. He is still guarded by the Shin Bet, and he is uh, a, a one of the most important people in Israel. So uh, uh, for the time being, at least, he is uh, there to stay. Uh, Prime Minister Olmert uh, was uh, very, very interesting when he spoke about whatever uh, uh, Netanyahu said today in his speech about the Iranian issue. And he said that he spoke, Olmert spoke in the last uh, weeks with all the senior uh, officials in the Israeli uh, defense and military establishment, and they confirmed him that uh, during the, the eight Obama, President Obama years, Iran did not proceed a one millimeter, did not advance one millimeter towards the bomb, like it did when Donald Trump uh, 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 replaced Obama and uh, Netanyahu convinced him to, to quit from the nuclear deal. Uh, he said also that there, there are two Israeli prime ministers that dealt with nuclear uh, uh, reactors in the Arab states and, and just destroyed them. One of them was, uh, Olmert said, the great Menachem Begin in uh, 1981 that destroyed the Iraqi uh, nuclear uh, reactor. And the second one uh, was Olmert himself in uh, 2006 when uh, the Israeli Air Force destroyed the Syrian reactor. And Netanyahu just had many, many speeches against the Iranian nuclear threat, but not, uh, not deeds. He did not do enough in order to stop it. I hope you found it interesting, uh, and I hope to find you here uh, next week, and I'll monitor uh, in only where I make this speak in Tel Aviv. Take care.